Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Lowdown Society podcast. I appreciate you guys being patient for there being quite a long time between episodes from time to time. Today, we get the pleasure of hanging out with a fantastic young man from Memphis, Tennessee, now living in L.A. He has one of the greatest gigs in pop with Miss Demi Lovato, talking about Mr. Teron Creighton. After a year of the files being gone, and that's a long story in and of itself, they've been retrieved, and I'm pleased to let you guys finally hear the interview with Teron. He is a soft-spoken, amazing dude who has a lot to teach all of us. Tehran was kind enough to invite us all over to his house in Whittier, outside of L.A., between Demi Lovato tour dates. Hope everyone enjoys. All right, well, we're here today at the Lowdown Society with Tehran Creighton. Welcome, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, we really appreciate you fitting us in between, between is it the first and the second leg of the, of the current Demi tour, or...? Yeah, it's the yeah we're right in between the first and second. Place. All right. So, yeah, I appreciate you for having me. Yeah, man, no worries. How long have you been on that gig? Uh, I want to say three years. It's been like three, almost three and a half. Okay. Yeah. And how did you get to that gig or that audition? Fortunately, I didn't have to audition for that particular gig. I, I got a call from a. From an MD friend, Chris Pooley. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you know Chris, but uh, he called me and asked me if I wanted to do it. And it, originally, I was just supposed to, I guess, be on it. I was filling in for the bass player, who is now the keyboard player, Steven Rodriguez Styles. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, after that, I did two weeks in Australia, New Zealand, and Asia. And after that two weeks, uh, they told me that, yeah, like, they wanted me back. So I've been there ever since. And I actually, I met Chris on a tour with, the first tour I ever did was Cody Simpson. Okay. And I met Chris. He was the MD for the main act, which was Big Time Rush. And uh-huh. we, we were opening up for for them, and I met Chris there, and he called me for a couple things after that tour. Oh, which cool. ended up being Demi Nick Jonas, you played for him too? And mm-hmm. you know, I think I saw something about that. Yeah, I played with Nick too. Uh, Think, well, I played with Nick for just a little while, while you know, but right before he found another bass player, a great bass player, I was playing with both Nick and Demi because uh, they they have the same management. Yeah. So, and it was it's one of those things where uh, it worked out. A lot of the gigs that we were doing, some of them were on the same, but some of them was uh, I could I was able to fit both of them in. So, but when it it started kind of you know bumping heads because yeah. there are two main artists so it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to, to play with both. Originally you're a you're a Memphis cat mm-hmm. and you made your way you said, to LA in 2011 right? Yeah, moved to LA April 2011. I drove a long drive for sure yeah. and uh, uh, yeah I moved to LA and just started like going around doing jams whatever I could do to church, just meet people and just going out a lot. Yeah, but before I moved to LA, I was in Memphis and I played on Bill Street for like two years, like at Club 152. Yeah. Then to LA, where I just started, basically just doing the same thing, playing wherever I could, anytime I could. Then I got called in 2000. I actually got called like a few months after being here to do a gig with 
Alicia Keys on the BET Awards. I think right. that was like the BET Awards. That was like the first big, because that was the first TV gig I've ever done. And well, of course I was very, very nervous, but it was cool because we actually recorded like our parts the day before and we ended up just being on stage in mind. So it was- Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah that's like the Super Bowl. Yeah, technique. yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that kind of took a little bit of pressure off from my first one. I didn't have to be like handshaking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, it was fun. So speaking of Club One Fifty Two, Memphis, because mm-hmm. I've been there. That's it. Good barbecue, yeah. and at that place, I know it's not one of the places, mm-hmm. but I always liked it. Club Fifty Two. Did they have no? Uh, there was an organ trio they used to play. I think it might have been next door. Um. um that's probably before. They're still going, I think. They're still going? Yeah. Oregon Trio? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I'm not sure. Anyways, I've eaten at Club 152. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like the food. I like the so, food. So, speaking of Memphis, you did mm-hmm. Beale Street for 10 years. So two. Two years. Yeah. Two years. Oh, yeah. Um, Coming up in Memphis, did you, do you have the same story as a lot of guys from there where you come up in church? And yeah. That kind of much. thing. Yeah. I, uh... I started on drums when I was young. I think I started around when I was like six or seven. I started actually playing in church uh, around that time. I think I was, I moved to bass when I was like, uh, I want to say 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. When I was, in, I was in middle school for sure. And I, uh, everybody pretty much left. The church that I played at, it was just me and the pastor who played guitar. So we would do like the opening, but when it was time for him to preach, there was nobody to play. It was just me on drums. So it was kind of weird. We just had drums doing <laughs> while the preacher was preaching. So uh, yeah, I just used to go. I used I would go and just practice bass all the time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can get a little personal, but we, when I grew up, we live, actually lived in the church. Me mm-hmm. and my, my mom and my two sisters, because we you know we couldn't afford an actual mm-hmm. place at the time. Mom lost her job, so we had to live in the church, kind of like hide from everybody. But we lived in the church, and I would go uh, all the time. I would sneak in the church because I would have to like get out like during the day, but I would sneak in and just go play bass. All the time, then I would, then I start asking like, can I just get it? They'd be like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. So I play it, and that's pretty much how I learned. I'm just listening to the radio, uh, whatever I could find on the radio. Yeah, I would just listen to it and just play it as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. While you were that young, playing bass in church, I'm talking practicing when there's nobody there and you're mm-hmm. living there. Mm-hmm. Were you already into listening to a lot of bass players, or were you just messing around and trying to play what's in your head? Uh, I was just trying to play what what I was listening to, pretty yeah. much. I didn't really, really uh, think about. I don't know how I'm trying. I didn't really think about like uh, like trying to figure out anything to play myself. I was just trying to learn exactly what I was hearing, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least get as close as I could, and because uh, I was trying to learn the songs just so I can show them that you know, what I'm saying I, w- I want to play. So yeah. I'm just trying to learn the songs so I can be able to play. 
with everybody else. So early on, you kind of adapted what a lot of us sidemen have to do now. You adapted the technique where instead of trying to jam along, mm -hmm. you were like, no, I want to learn mm -hmm. more kind of an exact part. Was right. that something that you right. stumbled into pretty early? Yeah, it was. But look, I, I can honestly, like, maybe when I got like 16 is when I started like listening. I learned, or oh, 15, 16, I learned who Mark and Miller was by listening to the the college, University of Memphis had a, a jazz station. So I would, strolling through the radio, I always try to find something, then I stumbled up on like this song. I was like, shit, it was crazy. And <laughs> it was like just bass, it was like a bass solo and everything. So I'm like listening. And at the time I didn't, I didn't have a phone or nothing. I couldn't really like, Shazam it, I couldn't, I have to literally, if they didn't say who it was, you know, sometimes the radio, how they do it, they'll say, okay, we're gonna play these three songs, then they'll play it. So if I catch the end, I won't hear who it was because they already said who it was, so I would. There's no Shazam back yeah, then. Yeah, I would have to, I, what I would do, I would record it on a cassette tape, or, and I would like try to just listen all, all day until they played the song again so I know who it was. And one day they said, this is Marcus Miller. And I was like, wow, I think the song was Power. Power got me in the gut too when yeah. I first heard it. I think it was Power. And then my sister bought me for Christmas 2006, she bought me Marcus Miller, the album, uh, Marcus. Yeah, I think that's the one with Frankenstein. Yeah. I think so, yeah. But yeah, so once I started hearing that, then I started like trying to like, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> do all the crazy, or just a bunch of stuff after I learned who Marcus Miller, Victor Wu, and um, just a lot of Victor Bailey, Hotel uh, Beverage. Like, that's when I got into like the whole, a lot of, I was just trying to learn as much as possible, Jocko, everybody. I was just, just YouTube, crazy. Yeah, yeah so I, I eventually got into trying to do all of that, but I wanted to learn like the, the knowledge of just their playing and music in general, like where they thought, you know, how they think, not just their licks, but like, you know, how did they come up with those? Concepts. Yeah, yeah, good concepts. And where it come from and how, how do you think that something less so crazy like that. But you're mentioning bass players that are, certainly bass players who are some of the world's best group players, but you're mentioning dudes that are kind of known for you know, like yeah. solo chops and stuff. Right. So it seems to me like their concepts a lot come from listening to other instruments than bass mm -hmm. to find their voice. Yeah. I always make fun of myself because I love saxophone, like mm -hmm. pop saxophone. So I learned sax solos and bass because I mm -hmm. just love the way they phrase, you know? Yeah. It's the closest thing to the human voice. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't do that enough, but I, uh, to tie it back to, into what you were saying, the guys that you grew up on, they all had that solo voice right. where they can make a bass speak and they were probably listening to a lot of, you know, famous jazz trumpet, because exactly. that's what they brought to exactly. the bass. Exactly. What freaks me out about Marcus to this day isn't his speed and agility, it is when he plays a melody. He did that burning down the house, and one of his burning down the house, that song. Mm -hmm. And he's just playing wah, bow, da, 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 you know, that melody. Mm -hmm. And he's just making the simple melody, so, and he just makes it speak. And he'll, he's, his dynamics are, are even more.
prevalent than sometimes yeah. people that sing to me. Yeah. So that's what freaks me out about Marcus Overy's technique. Is like, yeah, that guy is singing. Yeah, he's singing. Yeah, yeah. that's what I love about him. That's why he's one of my favorites. I, I don't like to give it, you know, any one or two, but he's definitely. Yeah. He's he's one of the first that I ever listened to. The dudes you mention are mostly pop rock, jazz, mm -hmm. uh, soul, but I watched some of your YouTube stuff that you posted uh, before I came over here the other day and definitely a, a few straight up gospel things in there oh yeah for sure in the gospel world is there any dudes in there like oh man for sure there's many I probably I don't want to I want to I'm gonna name names <laughs> I might forget some but I'm gonna name them anyway so I got you know you got Andrew Goucher you got uh, you got Joel Smith you got Daryl Freeman who's younger but like I grew up listening to him because he was playing a lot of the stuff that I had to learn. Uh, it's another guy, a younger guy. His name is Snoop Evans. He's ridiculous. Watched him like two nights ago. Yeah, that dude is crazy. Uh, Nuts. Yeah. Uh, Justin Reigns. Uh, I can go forever with gospel just because like I grew up playing it, and like later on, well, I grew up playing quartet music, which is different. I don't really know a lot of their names, but when I started playing, like, uh, when I go, when I started playing at other churches other than my home church, I started hearing, like, we call it choir music. <laughs> so it started, I started playing that stuff, and that's when I, like, started learning, like, who musician, you know, people that's actually playing all those records. So I'm trying to, uh, it's so many, I, it's so many. It's a lot of gospel-based players who, yeah. who influence me. Some of them I still don't even know their names. I just know them from from their sound, or I know them just from like listening to the records that they played on. Yeah. yeah. So tying it back into like your current tour that you're mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. uh, I was just in your little music room and I saw mm -hmm. uh, Sub Thirty Seven in there, yep. Mo. So mm -hmm. that's your main touring board, or uh, the Voyager. That and the Voyager is my main. Yeah, uh, I bought that one just so I can be at home and kind of program stuff before I get to the rehearsal. Then mm -hmm. I can tweak it if it doesn't sound the same once mm -hmm. you know once once we start playing it all together as a band. Uh, but the Voyager and that is is my go-to just because they, I feel I think they're uh, easy to work and you just and they sound good like you get that like a nice sound fat. Yeah. Clean sound out of it. Yeah, I, at first I was just I would just practice like keyboard on my M audio or my novation and then I'll go to the rehearsal and just try to I go a little early or stay a little later so I can tweak some sounds so I can at least try to learn how to use the Voyager. Mm -hmm. My first time using it was crazy, so I just I would just listen to it and just <laughs> Just twist knobs until I until I, it sounds like what I what I need to sound like. Basically. So, a few other friends that have been on this podcast that are on bigger pop tours. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me the approach the MDs take. Like you're saying, hey, I'm just like listening and tweaking and listening and tweaking. Nobody sent you the soloed stem of the bass from the yeah. record. Yeah. They did. Yeah, that's, so you that's were able exactly to... what I was listening to to tweak the yeah. sound to get it to sound yeah. like the solo. Uh, yeah, when I started with Demi, that's, that's what basically what 
of what's happening. But actually, Chris, my first tour, Chris was like, uh, you don't have to play key bass, just play bass. So yeah. even like with Demi stuff, some of it, most of it is keyboard. Well, not today, but at the time, it was a lot of the key bass, you know, pop stuff. But he was like, oh, it's okay, just play, just play bass. You know, if the artist have a problem with it, then you, you change it. But yeah, some some MDs are pretty easy with it. They don't really, they don't mind it. Yeah. They don't really mind if you play or not. Uh, but if you can, then that's good. But if they, if you don't, some some of them just be like, oh, it's whatever, it's okay. Just yeah. play, just play bass. If you can make, you know, if you can make it sound like sometimes you can make it. If you play it low enough, you can yeah. make it sound like a sync. Oh yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. There's 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 so many ways for us to. To, to cheat, you yeah, know, when I, those, uh, when I was coming up, I was just roll on, rolling off the toe knob and the octave pedal exactly. and, you know, like... Exactly. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I came up on some of the late 80s synth pop, which Ooh, a lot yeah. of the sounds are now back in style right. or around the first time, For you sure. know. So, uh, speaking of, uh, I, do, I do this because you're one of the few guys that I've interviewed that have a bass in your lap <laughs> right now. So... I'm gonna put you on the spot. What are some favorite things that you're playing during the show? The show that you're playing every night right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be like the coolest sounding thing or whatever, just things that you just, every night you play, and you're like, hey, this is my favorite part to play. Or, mm-hmm. Put a smile song, on my face. She has a song called uh, Sexy Dirty Love. Well, I love playing on all, I should say, just because it's just fun. It's good music. Yeah, it's fun. To She's play. got banging tunes. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. And so. she like this last album has like some just some bass stuff that just just cool. She has this one song called uh, "Well, Sexy Dirty Love." I start with that one. It's a it's like a. Let me turn it up. You can't. It's basically it's a it's like a funk, I guess you could say, but it's I'm slapping the yeah. whole song. So, yeah. So, like, When I first heard it, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. And then, like, when I really like something, it don't really take me long to learn it. Like, you know, so I'll, I'll have it. Maybe need to listen to it again to remember sometime. But I, when I learned it, I was like, I had to learn it just because it was so crazy. Because when you're listening to the record, you really can't hear that the bass is not really starting on the one. It's like, eh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, not, that's not your it's standard pop. No, it's not at all. It's crazy. I love it. Anything else from the set? I just pulled up the set list a second ago. Anything else um, that you love playing every night that's fun? Man, uh, I actually like the... Yeah. I like them all. Cool for the summer. Uh. 
It's cool. It's like a rock Motown song. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for doing that. No, no problem. When you are not doing the Demi thing, like when you're back here in LA, what are you, are you working on your own stuff? Or are you you're doing uh, church gigs still when you can, right? Yeah, yeah. I still play a church, Emmanuel Temple in Linwood. And uh, I do, I do my own stuff. Pretty much do that every day. Yeah. And, uh, I do clubs around town or if, you know, if sometimes I get called to do another gig with a different artist. Yeah. If, like, if I can do it, then I'll do it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really, yeah, I, don't, I don't say no too much. Sometimes, but not yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, having, having a steady touring gig, the luxury of saying no is, is nice. You can, yeah, you, know, yeah. you can. But I love, I love playing, so any, pretty much, pretty much any opportunity that I get to play. Yeah. You know, I like it, especially playing with different musicians because it's, you know, you don't really, I just like doing, you know, especially after practicing, if I'm practicing for a while, you know, I like to go out to play with other people just because yeah. to get it different, you know, because I'm pretty yeah. much in my own little corner most of the time, my dungeon and just playing, or playing whatever. What, what I find, like, practicing versus gigging you, you practice so much that that becomes second nature so that's mm-hmm. why you play on the gig but like I'm the same way man I'm like I'm a 12 year old like I love music I get, mm-hmm. I get excited so sometimes on gigs I'll be in the middle of it and I'll be in it I'll be mm-hmm. like you're playing too hard you're like mm-hmm. this isn't the this exactly. isn't what you practiced exactly. you know what I'm saying like so I find myself having my practice victor versus gig victor oh like, for sure yeah, that um, <laughs> I might have mentioned this before, but Nathan East, I read his quote one time from him where he said, I try to play live gigs with the precision of a studio session, when I'm in my head, and I try to play a session with the energy and the passion of a live gig. gig. And when I I heard him say that, I'm like, oh, that's that's the best advice I've heard. That's great advice. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's the best. (laughs) <laughs> if I you can get right there, not don't get safe in the studio and don't get sloppy live. Basically, exactly. You know? Exactly, because it tends to happen a lot. But I try to stay away from it. I, like I like playing the same thing every night a lot, but I like also like to like uh, you know just explore different ideas that I might have. Sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. The best thing about it is when you have you know like a front of the house guy. Who, if they record every night, you can just go get the. That's what I like. I can listen to the night, the the recording the next day or something. Yeah. Recording of the show, and I'm like, uh, maybe I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> you know, okay, I went for that one. Probably try something different next time. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, that was, that was okay. Yeah. Not too bad. But I, but I always try to improve, you know, just listen to the last show. Yeah. Improve on it. The good thing, though, is if you're catching yourself and policing yourself before the artist or the MD does, that's probably why you are where you're at. It's like, you got to have a quality control, you yeah. know? Yeah, board tapes are, board tapes are, are no lie. They, yeah, no, know. it's no lie. That once, once you're in red, it's pretty, you know, it's going to tell the truth. But be, because pe- people to. say you're on the, you're in the red in the studio, recording mm-hmm. studio, and they go, oh yeah, the studio don't lie. It's like a microscope. I'm like, no. Bore tapes, because mm. bore tapes are like, they're mm. not fixed at all. At all, and you like probably, no telling what you're doing on stage. You're just, you yeah. know, you're rocking out, you're just yeah. moving, doing a lot of movement, and it, but at the same, it's got to still come out like it, you know, like you just probably just sitting there playing the bass 
Yeah, yeah. But it still had the energy, but you got it. It's you know. Yeah. You got to feel it, but it should be right. I should say. Before we started tracking, you you went and showed me uh, pretty much all your bases here. Your main mm-hmm. your main base on the demi tour is the Fender Elite Jazz Five, right? Yes, sir. Maple That's Maple Board, and you run it passive or active? I run it active. Mm-hmm. Because I just like the way it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, basically. It's like, like, what's crazy is everything is pretty much just down center. Like, middle. Yeah. Like, it's like middle. Sometimes I move the bass up just to give me some more. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's just smack dab, like right in the center. Well, if I, like, like this. Yeah. <laughs> everything. This one is different because everything stops. Yeah. That way. Since this is not video, I'll, I'll tell people that you're playing a. That's okay. a. This is a four-string jazz, but it's the deluxe, right? Or what yeah. is this called? Yeah, deluxe. Yeah, it's a little skinny. Think it's a skinny downside, sexy version with the single pole-piece pickups. Yep. Badass bridge. Sounds pretty good. I like this bass. But yeah, that's the the elitist is my favorite for yeah. sure. The maple. Yeah. And then the little ukulele bass was in there too. Yeah, the U bass. I just got that bass uh, a couple of days ago. When I came back home, it was it was waiting on me. The bass. It's I love the way it sounds. It's it's crazy. I, I think it's thumping. Yeah, it's kind of like a P bass, uh, almost upright type of sound. You know, yeah. you can play the, like the old school, you know, Motown stacks type yeah. of stuff on it. I love it. Yeah. It's dope. I saw you have drums and obviously keys set up for key bass and stuff. But mm-hmm. do you do you on your own stuff? Do you play all instrument producer style or? Yeah, I play everything myself. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I call a friend over to just come play some stuff because I'm not a keyboard player. Yeah. At all, <laughs> but I'll sit down and just you know learn stuff and just try to you know get it as close to what where I want it to sound like as as possible. What I want it to sound like, so I'll just. Do it over and over, whatever I have to do to get it to sound how I want it to sound. This is interesting to me. You mentioned you like playing the same things over and over. Yeah. I just got off a a four-year thing where I played 300 shows for the same act, pretty Mm -hmm. much the same 15 songs. Mm -hmm. I don't get bored myself. Every night it's like, yeah, this maybe is not challenging technically because my fingers know it, Mm -hmm. but I can still make it better. Like always. is, Is, are you... As far as you say, board tapes, you go for stuff like a fill here and there, you change. Yeah, but yeah. as far as sticking to the same parts, is this something oh, yeah, yeah. you really dig? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like just the song I was playing earlier. Yeah. earlier yeah. Like if at first my coordination with me moving and playing that bass line was not the best. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out how can I just still feel it and move and still play. But move like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's just it's just a challenge just you know, every night just to keep it uh feeling good, I should say. Whatever sounding and feeling good. So I don't really get bored because it's it's music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, you playing the bass, it's kinda like everybody's Part by part is holding the music together. So, yeah. you know, just trying to do my part while listening to everybody else.
what's the stuff you, as a consumer, as a music fan, or as a bass player, what's some stuff you listen to that maybe other musicians be like, really, dude, you like that? Uh, I don't think I have any of those. Well, I like, uh, I like, I'll listen to anything like guilty anything. pleasures or any like if I'm. People refer it like just always telling me I should listen to something, so I'll listen to it. Like uh, I listen to anything, for real. <laughs> I'll listen to anything. Mostly, mostly lately it's been like hip hop. Yeah. Cause I'm all I'm like trying to learn, like all the old stuff. Like I'm like a late bloomer on music just cause I grew up listening to one style of music. Yeah. And even on that, like I only listen to a certain amount of people, so it's like. I'm trying to catch up with all of the music like that I haven't heard, which is hard because it's so much. Yeah. Like in every genre, not even just hip hop, like every genre is just so much music, even gospel. Like the church that I'm playing now, I've been playing songs that I've never heard that are old, like that I would have never even knew where to find it just because, you know, I just had no idea. So yeah, I just listen to whatever. Like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Since you moved to LA, because the music scene here is so different and so much bigger, and I mean, as as a person going out to the clubs, as a listener, is there stuff you have discovered out here, or do you have any like, is there any favorite places that you like to go and hear music out here? Uh, favorite places. I used to like uh, when I first moved here. Cafe Cordia was one of my favorites, but they closed down. They had uh. They had, uh, I can't remember the name of the spot, but Andrew Shea used to do a gym every Sunday night. I would go every Sunday night. Townhouse mm-hmm. is the name of it. It would be every Sunday I would go to that. But uh, the Federal is an, another good one. I've been That's, there. They still do that yeah. every, every Wednesday, every Tuesday too. But it's more of a, yeah, it's a dance thing on Tuesday. With some crazy musicians, then everybody coming, you know, you can sit in. Turns to a gym later tonight. Uh, uh, Super Soul Monday uh, at Dirty Laundry, which is now when I was playing, I started. It was at Libertine Hotel Cafe and Couture, but now it's at Dirty Laundry. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's called Super Soul, and that's a good one. Um, yeah, so I'll go. I'll go every now and then. Most now, uh, and I live so far out now. Yeah. That sometimes I don't even go to those no more. I'll probably just go, and uh, I'll probably just be home working on something or yeah. have some friends come over and we just jam out or I go to the studio or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, but I love it all. So it's just. So when you first moved to town, you were down closer to. Oh yeah, I used to stay in North Hollywood, so yeah. it was just easy. Yeah, like it was like only like max ten minutes away from everything. As far as production rehearsals, we, we talked about you getting the stem and stuff mm-hmm. for the current tour. How long? How long were you guys out for the current tour? Or how long were you guys in in rehearsal? Oh, uh, rehearsal. Uh, yeah. Well, we started rehearsal. We actually started last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, while right before we did the Jingle Ball tour, because mm-hmm. we started getting the the stems and like the music for the album that came out like right before it came out so we had, we just you know put our ears on it and then we rehearsed I think for a week and a half in Minnesota for a while um, and then 
yeah, we were just basically rehearsing to learn the new music, I guess. Yeah. Then we did like a Jingle Ball tour for a month, uh, which is the Christmas you know, month, December tour. And then we, uh, for this tour, we we actually started the, the rehearsals. I want to say we had, we started early February. I want to say like around the 12th or something. But we only we rehearsed for like a week or two weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a week and a half. Production rehearsals was like a week. And we did like three or four musician rehearsals through like the days before. Which is cool. Like most of the stuff we, we already, you know, knew yeah. just from playing it so much. And a lot of the times with us, with the, you know, some, I think this everybody though. By the end of the tour, you have the songs are totally different from where they were, before, you know, when yeah. they started, because you know you just start getting new ideas, and maybe me and Lamar, you know, Lamar Carter, mm-hmm. the drummer, sometimes we'll just do stuff together, just off without knowing it, and then it'll become something that we just do all the time. Yeah. And then uh, sometimes the MD will come and sound check. He'll be like, "Yo, I came up this last night. We let's do it at the show tonight." Yeah. Like, cool. So we'll learn that and do it at the show tonight. That's see. cool. Yeah. So, how many pieces are you right now, and how much is on tracks? Uh, well, it's four of us, plus the two background singers. So it's bass, drums, keys, and guitar. And uh, what's on track is probably a lot of auxiliary keys if you only have one key. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would be most of like you know just extra like um, effects and. Stuff like that, because most of the stuff is live that we play. I think. That's cool. Yeah. So, and we, I keep bopping back to stuff That's you mentioned okay. earlier, but it's a song like "Sex and Dirty Love," where you're doing the, you're not doing the downbeat. Uh-huh. Do you have? Is there a lot of bass or songs where there's where there's synth bass on track and you're playing electric over it or around it? Uh, actually, with Demi now on this tour, not really. Uh, I think confident. That's her song, confident because mm-hmm. the 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 bass on the track is just doing this. It's just holding on like this. So that's down there because it's always like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm doing this. So we kind of made a yeah. part just to get it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type of thing, and that's that's one song that I'm playing with. Um, on the chorus, the one of the the synth bass do come in with and play the same thing with me, but I'm playing on a well, it's two different lines, but uh, I'm playing the verses by myself, but on the chorus, like the record, the, mm-hmm. the uh, it's like a little synth thing come in and play the the same thing. Play that with me. Uh, but everything else is pretty much just me, I think. Uh, what I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole like four guys and two background singers mm-hmm. uh, and not having a lot of tracks. I think that's amazing because I think, I think in arenas, because the way arenas are built, sometimes artists are, or the MDs in some cases, but often the artists, they're obsessed with everything sounding like the record, but the record have too many parts, so it'll turn into mud in an arena. So right. 
it behooves a lot of live music to be a few parts are really just in your face. Right. Right. The thing with me, I always like to ask. I ask them, do you like, I don't, you know, whatever, whatever they want, I, you know, I pretty much do, but I'll yeah. ask, uh, can we take that bass out? Because, you know, I'm going to play it. Or he'll just ask, hey, you want to take the bass out? I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. Because <laughs> if I'm going to play it, then there's no need yeah. for it to me pretty much be in there. And I want to try to make it sound as close to the record as possible. So, uh, you know, I don't really need it in there. So we just take it out. And, yeah, with everybody else, even with drums, he has, you know, triggers and stuff like that that he use on his drums. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything, basically anything that we play live, we take out of the track. So that's just how we do it. I don't know how yeah. other people, but yeah, anything that we're gonna play, just, you know, we just yeah. <laughs> mute it. So after this, uh, the entire tour, you guys have a lot of the world left, right? You got South America left? Yeah, South America. You got Europe left, right? Yeah, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. So Asia. this takes you through the end of the year, pretty much? Pretty much. So, uh, what are your, uh, I mean, you young dude, man, what are your, uh, what are your immediate plans for the future as far as music? When you get off this tour? As far as music? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're doing your own stuff. I am. Uh, well, as, well, while I'm doing this, I'm also, on the road, I take my, my interface, mm -hmm. and I record a lot of bass for, like, different people, in mm -hmm. uh one of my homeboys, uh, Scooty, he's a like a cool, I want to say R and B urban artist mm -hmm. now, and he writes a lot of stuff. He just wrote some stuff for like this artist named Eric Bellinger, mm -hmm. but he he asked me a lot to do like bass and mm -hmm. stuff. I come up with like bass lines for his music, and mm -hmm. yeah, so that's that's cool. That's a fun thing that I like to do. Just you know, just cause like I even do it on the bus while. Oh I'm yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work because of it, all the stuff, and then you can hear a hum and record, so I don't use it. But if we like, sometimes it actually you don't hear it all the time. But uh, I'll do, yeah, I'll do my own stuff, or I'll do something for somebody else and just send it back to them doing the tour or whatever. So yeah, I just I'll just keep doing that in my own stuff. Really, uh, I'm just producing. I'm not. I don't really like. I'm not an artist or nothing. Yeah, I, yeah. But I have like you know my. A lot of friends will sing, so I'll do little stuff for them. Yeah. You know, put the, put them a track together. If they like it, they'll use it. If not, you know, we'll just do another one. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. So, are you, uh, are you, which software do you use? I use Logic. Yeah. Logic X. Me too. Uh, yeah. That's pretty simple. I have Pro Tools and Ableton, but I don't use them a lot. Yeah. Uh, Pro Tools, I haven't downloaded to my new computer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being lazy, but I just like that logic is you know it's fast and I can just I can do pretty much anything yeah. that I want. Nashville is known as a Pro Tools town, but really? you know like I I uh, I mean I'm one of those guys like I have a few friends who are excellent engineers and producers. So yeah. whenever I'm doing core, I, if it's not just like a mail and bass session like mm -hmm. you're talking about where I'm just using my little M box, yeah. you know and like you like compressing a little whatever that stuff I do but everything else I just you know yeah. I, I'm in a production team and the other guy is so fast I just give up I'm like okay yeah. I'll just play right <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah that's what I'm saying yeah I'll just I'll just play it and get it done 
Long term, as far as as far as touring, do you think this current gig is something? I mean, Demi certainly is doing better than ever, right? Mm-hmm, so she sure. she's been around for what ten years? She's been around for a while. She's doing better just as an artist, as, as, like overall everything. Yeah, she's great. She's had the same guys now for a while. You think that you think that she'll? It's a family thing to her at this point. You think or or because I know it's certain tours, especially out of LA. It's a, there's a big disconnect between like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hired guns and the artist. Right, right. But yeah, I think it's a family thing. Like, it's the whole campus is really cool, and like, uh, even the like the management and the creative directors, they were like uh, musicians. Yeah. Before they started doing that, like most of them, like a few of them played with the Jonas Brothers. Like, okay. Yeah. So they all like the production team. They all kind of came up together. Yeah. As far as Demi and Jonas, you know, that whole, that whole camp is pretty much, they are they are family, you know, but exactly. they brought us in and, you know, and kind of, you know, they welcomed us in, so we a part of it now. Yeah. You know, which is cool. That's dope. Yeah, it's great. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to yet another episode of the Lowdown Society podcast. As usual, all the comments or likes or reviews on iTunes and any of the social media outlets uh, is greatly appreciated. We are a small podcast and trying to get out to as many bass players and musicians as humanly possible. So I rely on you guys for it. So everybody, keep it funky, keep it low, and I'll see you right back here on the Lowdown Society podcast. Mm-hmm.